Welcome to the Uncultured Bias Podcast. My name is Kamara Williams. I'm your host. On our show, we say culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. After all, culture is just another way to say discovered. We are uncultured, we are biased, and we are black. So what is this episode that we're listening to? This is a what? A vignette. And if you're joining us for the first time, you're trying to figure out why there is music in the background. Well, we have decided on this portion of the podcast that we do call vignettes that the only thing we're going to feature are musicians because on this uh, I guess vignette we don't have actual guests um, so we are featuring featuring the stylings of jazz musicians preferably either Miles Davis or John Coltrane last week on the podcast we played uh, Miles Davis off the Bitches Brew album and I told you that was my second favorite Miles Davis album so I'm playing now my favorite Miles Davis album it's called Kinda Blue and it, ironically, it features um, this song. It's called So What? And it features John, Coltr- John Coltrane and Cannonball Adderley. So the track is called So What? So what are we going to talk about this week? All right. Um, we're going to mention talk about a couple of things. Uh, Lori Harvey and the uh, conversation surrounding her. And uh, we'll address a little bit of Russell Wilson in the Sierra, and then I want to touch upon that was happening in Texas. So, this is different things across the palette we're going to touch on in this vignette episode. Uh, before we do that, let's do some house cleaning, housekeeping rather. Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, first of all, thank you for doing this. But if you are tuning in, I'd ask you to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast on both Apple, Spotify, or on my website, kamarawilliams.com. It's where I have an active blog of the time. It's a filler for that week's episode, and sometimes it covers topics that I didn't get to mention. Or I wanted to expand upon. Um, this would also be a place for loyal listeners for to request certain topics that they would like to see covered in future episodes. So, point point example, uh, we just did a podcast called Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, it was a actually wasn't a review as much as it was just analysis. Uh, we're getting some a lot of great, great feedback. Shout out to Linda and Carter, who uh, we've been in constant communication regarding my commentary on this film. Um, you know, a lot of great uh, feedback. People seem to love it. It's um, getting some great reviews. On to that point where I wrote a blog on my website um, that is surrounding just the history of Warner Brothers and black films in regards to these particular subjects. And so it's a filler for that program that I didn't really get to address and I forgot to mention, and unbelievably so, because that was a long podcast, but I forgot to mention some things. So I put that in the blog. Um, it's called Our Stories, Our Way, with a question mark. Um, it's the la- latest blog entry. Also, it included my poem that is called uh, We Want a Revolution. So if you're so inclined to check this out, please go on the website, kamarawilliams.com. Check it out. I think it's dope. Um, you know, and I hope you like it as well. So also, uh, if you are subscribing on Apple, I'd ask that you guys uh, please rate my episode uh, when you're done listening. And I would ask that you rate it with commentary and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Uh, that's part of the way that Apple helps um, with the algorithms and keeping my, you know, making sure that I'm an inter- interesting podcast. So doing that, please do so. I would love it. Um, all right. We've got done with some of that technical stuff. It's a vignette. We got uh, Miles Davis um, playing in the background, so let's get into it. So, what? <laughs> Shout out to the song. Are we going to talk about this week? 
as we mentioned, uh, as I mentioned earlier, or a few minutes ago, we wanted to talk about what's going on with Lori Harvey. Now, normally, I don't like to get into the stuff like, you know, celebrity back and forth. That's not even really my thing thing. But I wanted to have a larger conversation um, regarding Lori Harvey and... I don't know. I'm not even calling him his stage name. I'm calling him Torrance because that's, that's his government name. Torrance Hatch. All right. Let's address Torrance Hatch and his obsession with Lori. You know, he, you know, he mentions stuff about his, you know, her body count and whatnot. And if you don't know what a body count, it means how many people she slept with or dated and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he's taking shots at her and saying to the streets, or the industry, or she's sleeping with a lot of men in the industry, and you know the streets wouldn't want her, shouldn't want her, you know, blah blah blah, you know. And I, listen, man, the thing about it is, Lori's getting praised because she's controlling her own narrative, and whether or not whoever she dates, whether it's somebody with a large name or whomever, but the fact that the matter is, it's her own discretion, and she's controlling her own narrative. I don't know. Why Torrance is having such a problem with that? Well, I do know a lot of that. It comes into his own um, his his own sense of being a chauvinist. I know it's like, oh, come on, are you going to go there? And it's I'm not. And, and listen, it just, the masculinity or his his toxic masculinity is very apparent in the way he's approached this scenario. Um, and again, I'm not trying to attack all men. I'm just speaking specifically to Torrance here. But, you know, he attacks that a woman sleeping, every time a woman sleeps with a man, she loses her value, which I think is a really, really fascinating concept because essentially what he's saying that um, men are trash. <laughs> and so he's he's projecting that when men are trash because every time a woman um, gives herself to another man um, physically, then she's devaluing, devaluing. So essentially, if she's giving something to somebody and that person is not is full of shit, then generally that means she's full of shit or she she's full of shit. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know. But see, the rationale doesn't fit, right? The rationale doesn't fit. But even if we don't want to unpack all the unhealthiness and lack of lack of worthiness that he's even um, self projecting onto Lori. Uh, the problem I'm having really is the concept of governing another woman's body and her choices. Uh, that is the issue I have. And I don't know why in society we feel like, just as men, that we have to walk over another woman's issues and place it onto our side of the street. Like, I don't get it. That it makes no sense to me. But we have this obsession with governing women's decisions, governing with women's bodies, and governing their choices. What Torrance is articulating is an antiquated concept of ownership over women's bodies. Um, the fact of the matter is we don't own women. We don't own their bodies. We don't own their choices. Unfortunately, now, you know, I know the politics of that, of this country, tends to say, beg to differ, but... That is probably another podcast for another day, but the reality is uh, concerning yourself with a woman's body count 
speaks to a lack of self-worth internally. I'm going to be quite honest. I don't know my wife's body count prior to me. I never asked. I don't give a shit. I never gave a shit. Um, I mean, of course, I know who she dated generally, but I've never really asked her specific questions about what about this? I need timelines. Because honestly, it didn't, it didn't friggin' matter. As soon as she decided that she wanted to be with me, as soon as she decided that she wanted to commit to me, everything else became irrelevant. And that was vice versa. You know, she didn't care to have a running catalog of the women I was with because that was irrelevant. As long as I didn't disrespect her and I didn't try to, you know, devalue her. And I think that's what it's about, right? So when Torrance is telling you that he cares about a woman's body count, he's really telling you that he doesn't value himself because he feels insignificant. And when a man is so concerned with a woman's body count, uh, you know, he's associating her sexual prowess or whatnot to his lack of a feeling insufficient in order to meet those needs. And saying, oh, you know, you don't, you want a pure woman. First of all, this antiquated idea of what a pure woman is, I don't, it's dumb. It's stupid. All right. But be that as it may, the purity of a woman is not designated based on who or whom or how many people she slept with. Just like the pureness of a man is not designated on whom or who he has slept with or how many people he slept with. Right. And placing the value of something like that on something very, on some, something so immature speaks more to the person that is making the projection than a person that is being projected upon. So that's where I'm at with it. All right. Um, and then, quite frankly, uh, <laughs> Torrance is damn near 40, man. I mean, I, I, he needs to, it's just, you gotta grow up, bro. I mean, for, let's let's just call it what it is, spade to spade, too. Like, this is the same person that put a, I think he paid a sex worker to assault his underage son because he wanted to, he was, he felt that he had to prove to his son that, or his son had to prove that he wasn't gay or something. I don't know. It was dumb. It was, it was, it was crazy. But, you know, we shouldn't be taking advice from somebody who's got eight children by six different women and telling you about purity in relationships or whatever the hell. I don't know. All right. Uh, Torrance looked like a gremlin who's, you know, was eaten after midnight. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you look like you could, you could star in one of them movies. All right. So anyway, uh, enough on that situation. The next thing we wanted to talk about on this vignette is um, Russell Wilson. And I will say this. This is the one thing I do agree with Torrance on. Um, the one small thing. All right. Other, listen, I'll admit he's wrong on most things. And regarding the Lori Harvey thing, he probably should take his own advice and disregard and just like, you know. No, a lot of times I need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's what he needs to do. <laughs> so, but in the one instance that he's actually um, right about is the obsession with goals, right? And projecting, say, oh, these are goals. And this is how I want to get into the Russell Wilson and Sierra thing. Uh, I, I don't know why, well, I do know why men feel so challenged regarding the Russell Wilson and Sierra thing. And we'll, we'll talk about that 
But we got to walk away from the concept of goals. I, 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 I hate that shit, man. I hate when people do that shit. Oh, their, their relationship goals or their marriage goals. Because quite honestly, we don't know what the fuck goes on in their relationship. And this obsession that we have with celebrities and their relationships is just debilitating to a character point. Like, we for years used to say, oh, I want that Will and Jada type of love. And then we didn't even know that we were fucking other people in their relationship. But we kept projecting this idea, this ideal of a relationship onto them that wasn't true. Or at least was manufactured in because they never said said that was a relationship. We put that on them, and so we do the same thing every time with these with high profile relationships. We project these images of goals, and even on a lower stance, we do this on social media. Somebody puts up a, a, a cute picture of their family, and like, oh, that's goals. But you don't know what kind of family that shit is. You don't know if there's hell going on in that family. You don't know. It's unhealthy. We got to stop that shit, man. Stop. Putting goals. You don't know what the fuck's going on. All right. The concept of goals is t- 2019. We 2021. We done with that shit. It shouldn't even been 2008, but whatever. Stop that shit. All right. It's unhealthy. All right. Um, but speaking just on the concept of this, how men have um, feel about uh, Russell Wilson and Sierra. Now, I will say this. It is not as dominant a conversation as most women think. I mean, I get my hair cut every week, and I can't even think of one conversation where Russell Wilson's names come up and Sierra. Like, men ain't checking for them like that. But in this offshoot that I did see the the conversations going on on social media um, and the debates, whatnot, and the feeling, you know, of you have, I have heard in the past, you know, in different from different places that uh, men call Russell Wilson lame. Russell Wilson lame, and you know, I I don't know what that concept is. I don't know what that means. I I do think it's a it's it's about men feeling challenged about their own masculinity. Now you might be like, oh shit, rolling. I could see some men like rolling their eyes or whatnot, but um, I mean, it's really what I I, I honestly. In my opinion, men often feel challenged by something that doesn't fit within the social construct of what they feel like is the typical male masculine standard. And I say that because I know I can spin that for myself. Um, I'm giving you a little anecdote, a little story. When I was in law school, I had just come back from California, come from California I didn't really fit what um, a lot of the constructs of what men, what the guys here thought. So I didn't fit in, you know, and it's all right. Because I didn't fit in in that realm, um, there were a lot of things that were said about me. One of them being that I was gay. I didn't know this. I had no idea when I found out about this rumor, cause nobody was telling me, nobody tells you this shit. Nobody tells you these rumors. Right. Um, so when I found out about it, ironically, I had just got done with post coital with a woman 
and we just got done and then, you know, she, you know, in her postcodal fashion, she says, oh, well, you're definitely not gay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> wait, 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 back up. What'd you just say? She says, yeah, yeah, um, that was rumor that you were gay. I'm like, wait, what, what rumor? I, who, who's, who are you talking about? Where is this, where's this coming from? And she said, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what some of the guys at the school said, because, you know, you're just, you're different. I didn't know this was a thing. But she said, I knew you weren't, because clearly, you know, I wouldn't be here if you, you were, you know, but yeah, that was the whole conversation surrounding you. I was kind of baffled for a second. I was like, I just, I didn't understand it. But then I just was like, you know what? I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't go around telling people I'm not gay. They did. I didn't care because what I realized then, and it's even more to the standard now, that I didn't fit within the narrative of what they were used to of, of a quote unquote black male. I didn't speak like one. Whatever they thought it was, I didn't come off like one. I mean, I'm not from the south. I'm from California. And being immersed and dropped into a culture, especially black Southern culture, and not feeling fitting within that periscope of male masculinity, I made other people feel uncomfortable. And I made them, for whatever reason, feel like I, you know, was different. And, and the only way they can articulate that I was different was they put on this concept like, well, he, I don't understand him. So he must be gay. And then when they found out I wasn't gay, cause I was literally easy money snipering the women around them. They were like, Oh, he's not gay. He's y'all like him. He's lame. They couldn't figure out why he was lame. I, I, you know, that whole lame thing. I never understood. I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand it when it comes to just addressing Certain men, I don't understand it when it comes to addressing, let's say, a guy like Russell Wilson. I don't know what makes him lame. You know, I challenged uh, one of my friends on this. I said, what makes Russell Wilson lame? And he said, oh, well, you know, <clears throat> he uh, he's dating a woman that has a child by someone else. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So he's lame because he's dating somebody, a woman who has a child? And he, when he heard himself, he said, oh, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. And I said, well, okay, well, what else? I said, well, you know, I mean, he's, yeah, that's not his son. I said, that's, that's, okay, so you're upset that he treats his stepson without the step in front of it? He treats his stepson like a son and shows him, you know, uh, equal love or greater than love? And then when he heard himself, oh, no, that's not it, that's not it. So then it's this Morpheus concept of, like, what makes him lame? You know, oh, well, you know, maybe he doesn't act a certain way. And that's what triggered me. And maybe like, oh, okay, he doesn't act a certain construct. And I said, oh, okay, I get this now. And that is where the challenge of what we have to stop doing that shit. All right? We have to stop projecting, just like we have to stop projecting our goals onto these celebrities we have to stop projecting our insecurities 
on to other people because we can't articulate or they don't fit within a narrative that we've built in within ourselves. And when you start doing things and you start projecting yourself onto things that have no relation to you, you're going to oftentimes be disappointed about the outlook. And that is where I'm at with that. Um, outright, yes, we got to start with the obsession of celebrity, but we also, most, also more importantly, we got to do some self-healing and we got to stop projecting um, thoughts onto people because we don't know how to art- properly articulate their existence. And all Russell Wilson is doing is existing. And the challenge of him being exi- existing is making you feel uncomfortable. That's an, that's an attack on you, not an attack on him. That's an ass- assessment on you. That's not an assessment on him. And that's really the, uh, the reality of the situation. All right. Now, okay, we've done, we've addressed that. All right, the uh, last topic I want to talk about on this vignette is the con- what's going on in Texas. Uh, yeah, I haven't really mentioned Texas because I feel terrible about it, number one. And, you know, I see some jokes about it, and I, it's hard for me to joke uh, about a state or about people who are suffering right now. And I I don't know. I don't know how people can find it in their hearts to make light of a situation when there are people who are literally freezing to death. I, I think about the homeless. I think about people who are already economically challenged prior to this thing. And I think about how people are suffering not because of Mother Nature necessarily, but because of the ineptitude or the greed of human beings, and that not only breaks my heart, but it pisses me off. So it doesn't it it doesn't make it ripe for me to poke fun or make jokes. Um, that is, you know, where I'm at with it. Now, for those who are trying to figure out why is Texas struggling so bad. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Texas is a successionist. They don't, they're separated themselves from the electric grid. Um, it, it There's a history behind that that goes all the way back into the 1800s um, when, obviously, uh, back when the power grids were being created and Texas decided we want to separate. Uh, really, the biggest thing was the Texas inter- interconnected system um, uh, what started to develop in 1935 when um, President Roosevelt, he signed the Federal Power Act and pretty much charging the uh, FPC or Federal Power Commission with overseeing interstate electricity. Uh, now, um, by not crossing state lines, though. So. Now, Texas essentially wanted to avoid being subjected to federal rules and federal evaluation, so they uh, essentially um, removed themselves from this mandate and allowed them allowed themselves to have their own independent energy um, commission. Um, this was done so. Primarily to, again, keep out of the federal grasp. Uh, weirdly enough, 
Um, Texas had no regulation really into the like 1970s when they started really coming up with their own, um, I guess, uh, commission. And that's where you saw a thing called the the ERCOT. Uh, the Texas grid is called the ERCOT, and it's run by the Electrical Electric Reliability Council of Texas. Um, it, now, ERCOT does not cover all of Texas. I think they cover like 95% of the map, um, with exception like El Paso, some in the Panhandle, and some places, a cluster of different places in North Texas. But for primarily, the ERCOT does... Uh, does run or cover most of Texas. Uh, the company, the big, the, now Texas is run by primarily with uh, or by different oil and gas companies. And now there's this whole conversation surrounding, uh, you know, Texas, you know, the, first of all, it falls on political lines, of course, right? And you have this thing where you have Texas, uh, congressmen or senators from east side taking attacking the energy focus. Uh, conservatives are saying that it's not wind; it's the wind power and you know the electric power, and we should we should move more into more coal and gas. And if we had more um, more coal and gas, we wouldn't be having this issue. Um, and stay away from the wind and and, and solar energy. And even to a point, some a little bit of nuclear energy. And then, of course, you have those who are on the left who are saying that we have to move away from uh, coal and gas and whatnot. Uh, the biggest thing, side, you know, sidebar, is that Centerpoint is one of the bigger industry, bigger companies in Texas, uh, in, in energy companies. And they actually control energy for about four little over four million Texans. Um, and Centerpoint, which... Is primarily a gas company, a gas and energy company. They notified the ERCOT that that they were going to request do um, rolling blackouts, or they're going to shut off power for a number of different Texans, four million Texans, because they don't have enough natural gas to run their their facilities. Obviously. That screwed over a lot of Texans, and uh, you know they weren't uh, they were not prepared to go through a winter storm um, of this magnitude without electricity. The same thing on the other side. What now they're, they're when they are attacking, they say, "Well, if we would have had a better industry standard or more access to uh, gas." We wouldn't have to have to ration off all this stuff. And then you, you know, again, I talked about the conservatives talking about the the wind. Let me just talk about this for a second. Uh, green energy conservatives talking about green energy is to blame for this is like really and strictly attacking wind turbines or whatever is such full of shit. Uh, the fact of the matter is that wind turbines are if they were so bad or if they were so inefficient as far as energy wide, they wouldn't be a it wouldn't be uh, an option in Alaska, which is known for having dark, cold winters for months. Um, that's one of the harshest environments in the intercontinental United States. And for Alaska to really rely on wind farms as a basis for energy and 
places, even like Minnesota, again, a colder, harsher region um, that has cold for many months of the year. It's just playing off the ignorance of people in the electorate. And it's a prime example why our republic is the way it is, because people don't think their way through these particular situations. They just say, oh, OK, well, you know, uh, uh, Republican so-and-so said that it's the wind turbines that are slowing down because they're that's why we don't have power. The fact of the matter is there's no fuels performing exceptionally well during this freeze, right? But coal and gas and nuclear make up what I think like two thirds of Texas power grid and mix during the winter. So those outages are having the biggest impact. And, um, you know, wind is such a is such a minuscule reason for or lack of wind power is a minuscule reason for why this is happening. Uh, reality is, is that it comes down to planning. Um, you know, the blackouts are primarily are caused primarily because of frozen instru- instruments in the gas and coal plants, as well as limited supplies of gas. This is according to ERCOT. Um, frozen wind turbines are the least significant factor. But what we're talking about now is, you know, and I think this is where I'm really pissed off about is the politicization uh, politicization of people's lives and I don't I don't know how we can continue as a country to allow this to be the standard of how people navigate our basic human needs like they put politics on the shit that should never be should never have politics on electricity heat that shouldn't be a political issue but it is. You saw, you saw, you know, these same Texas politicians on the right um, call out California and try to deny aid for those um, suffering from winter storms in different states in uh, up north um, because there happen to be blue states, and and yet here they are at the same time um, asking for aid from the federal government. And, I, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, that one scene with Big Boy when he was just like, I know that ain't who I think it is. That's how I feel about, you know, Senator Cruz. I know that ain't who I think it is. John Corn. I know that ain't who I think it is. Right? I know that ain't who I think it is because these are the same people who were talking reckless, you know, not too short, not too short time ago about other states and their... Um, their energy issues and the federal government having to come bail them out. Right. What we need to do is stop looking at government help as some evil, wicked thing. And that's what the, that's where where the issues are. The ego and the politicization of men guard guarding the lives of people based off of some dumb thing of politics it needs to end. We have a system that's built to hurt people. And anytime you want to challenge that, we're talking about clean energy or talk about um, new ideas regarding governmental intervention in, in, in helping people is challenged as, you know, socialist or challenged as some liberal left wing agenda that is trying to hurt people. And it's like, it's, I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of it. I don't have all the answers for Texas. I don't live in Texas. But I do know that 
if there was better leadership and better planning and people came from an altruistic place that didn't involve them trying to tear down other people for having different views, that really the, the views are just trying to help people make us get better. If we're talking about green energy, we're not trying to kill people. We're just trying to get we're trying to get better. We wouldn't be in this place. And that's where I'm at with it. And that's how I feel. And that's why my heart breaks for Texas. And it's my heart, heart breaks for the country. Um, you know, and so, you know, listen, pray for Texas, all that. And, uh, and you know, shout out to those, my friend, my frat brother, Dwayne Barrett. He's right now he's he's toughing through it. Um, he's a, you know, not only a brother, he's a, he's a, uh, a listener, supporter, but more importantly, he's a human. And I hope him and his wife are just, um, pushing through it and you know my prayers go out to go out to y'all um so and everybody in texas that is today's vignette uh if you guys have a chance please subscribe again and share not only this episode but the last few episodes we did a valentine's day one uh, that we talked about toxicity in black movies black love stories obviously we did the black uh, judas and the black messiah i'm recording a podcast this week uh with uh, mark um, Hudson, he's a political strategist for a uh, former senior strategist for the urban league. And I I'm excited about this. We're going to talk about the impeachment, um, Trump versus McConnell and, uh, Biden and what's going on with him. So I'm really excited about it. Um, can't wait to ha- record that. I hope you guys tune in next week for that podcast. I did record a podcast with my, um, professor, it's a black history uh, podcast that's actually like four hours long so i gotta break that up into three sections uh but we were just vibing man i didn't want to shut him up because he was on his he was in his bag and so i was like i'm just gonna let you keep going professor because i'm i'm enjoying it i love history i literally was on the phone for, for four hours talking about history so again i'm gonna break that up into three parts uh i gotta figure out where i'm gonna post that and if i post that i may not post anything for the week after that, um, I may take a few days off from posting because it's going to take some time for me to slog through that one. Again, that's a four hour podcast and broken up. And um, so, you know, with that being said, uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in this week to this vignette. And uh, with that, we're going to ride out, man. So 